Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. The Lord, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, we'll get started at verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you or I'm moving faster than what you can do on your fingers there, uh, you can follow along on the screen. It says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 from the New Living Translation, it says, For everything there is a season... A time for every activity under heaven. And then I'm going to turn over to Galatians chapter 6, uh, beginning at verse 7. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. I want to call your attention back to verse 9. It says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if. Everybody say if. We don't give up. And I want to preach this morning on this thought. And if you were here in 2015, you may have heard this message. Uh, I found out late yesterday I was going to be preaching today. I had an old preacher friend tell me one time, when those things happen, just pull out an old message, change the title, and yell in different places. I didn't change the title, and I'm going to yell in probably the same places. Uh, message I'm going to preach to you today is don't quit. Don't quit. I want you to notice the line that is above those boxing gloves up there. It's remember that guy that gave up? Neither does anybody else. I don't know about you, but I want to have memory and I want to last. I'm not going to give up. Can you say amen? So don't quit today. Let's pray together and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that we are experiencing your presence today in this house. And I am confident, God, that you have great things in store for your people. Lord, today I am believing you and asking you, God, to touch our minds and our hearts to embrace your word. That when we leave here, God, we can honestly say with boldness that we have been in your presence and you have challenged us to be different. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So the writer of Ecclesiastes, most assume it is Solomon, he declares that there is a season for everything, a season to laugh, a season to cry, a season to plant, a season to pull up what's been planted, a season to be born, a season to die, seasons. God made seasons for our calendar that govern growth patterns, uh, govern weather systems for our globe. Many times spiritually we are searching for a new season, aren't we? Uh, we believe God for a new season. We pray for a new season or a new area of blessing in our life. We seek after new experiences in God, and we are always looking for the new or the next or what is to come. And then sometimes, let's be honest, when we get the new, we aren't too happy with it. We arrive at our new season, and we're frustrated with God because 
it seems to not be real different from what we've already had and what we've been sick of for a while. And part of that frustration has come from our understanding of the concept of a new season. You see, when we hear the word new, we have certain connotations or thoughts that come to our mind immediately. New car, new home. I got to go to a housewarming yesterday for my friends, the Humrick Houses, and they have a beautiful new home, and I celebrate that with them. New baby in some people's life. We have a couple here that got a brand new baby, and we celebrate with them, right? It's new. It's great. New job. Man, people getting new jobs. That's exciting. New bank account with a million dollars in it. If that's you, celebrate. I will jump with you today if you got that. Because we assume that new automatically means better, right? New and improved. I think that's an advertising tactic that many times we fall for, and it's not new or improved. It's just got a new box, right? A new label. We think that a new season in our life automatically insinuates that things are changing from bad to good. And in many cases, they do. But the kingdom of God is not a linear kingdom. And what do I mean by that? We assume many times that the kingdom of God operates the way we as humans do, right? Uh, for us, our seasons operate in order as they progress down the timeline of your calendar. Winter of 22 gives way to spring of 22, which gives way to summer of 22, which will give way to fall of 22, which will give way to winter of 23, which will give way to spring of 23, right? It's just a continuous pattern. It's just moving on down the line. And if you don't like the season that you're in, the temperature's too cold, the colors don't match your hair, you want to wear your white shoes, just hold on. The season will change. A new one is coming. And if you live in Virginia, that could happen every other week. And anything new is always better, right? You don't like the one you're in, just hang on. New is coming. But God operates sometimes much differently than we do, doesn't he? His kingdom operates on a unique schedule, his. And he doesn't use Outlook or iCal or send you notifications of when you need to be at a certain place at a certain time. Uh, he doesn't use smart apps on your phone to let you know when the next season is coming or when the change will happen. Uh, he doesn't even operate within our concept of time. Yet ironically, somehow he is never late. I know you'd be sitting there, you'd be having God on the watch, you know, you're clocking him. And he's never late, right? He doesn't. He's never late. He's not confused by your situation, nor is he intimidated by your expectations. You can't expect something greater than what he can accomplish. It's impossible. You see, when Paul says in Romans 8, 28, and you all can, most of you can quote this, he says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to the, his purpose for them. We sometimes read that as if it says, everything that happens to me will be good because I love God and I'm called according to his purpose. But that's not what it says. It does not say everything that happens to you will be good because you love Jesus. Let me give you the RPV of Romans 8.28. That's the Rodney Pavey version. It's available now at your local bookstores. Just shop for it. This is what Romans 8.28 says in the Rodney Pavey version. It says, all things that happen in my life, good, bad, happy, sad, frustrating, liberating, all things are working together to bring about good 
in my life because I love God and I'm called not to my own purpose, my own devices, my own agenda, but his purpose and his agenda and his devices. And because God operates on his own timetable, some of the things that happen in life don't seem to be working for my good, but when it's all put together, it's going to come out on my good. I promise you every time. He knows the beginning from the end, and he sees farther down the road than you do, and he knows that if I will just learn the lesson of the season that I'm in, if I will stay the course, if I will trust him in this season, if I just refuse to quit, when he brings me to the end of this season, I'll be prepared for the season that is ahead. Much of our frustration, I think, comes from the fact that life in God is not a linear seasonal format where our seasons are progressing ever forward, marching ahead, but rather many of us are living our life in that, as if we're living in that old movie Groundhog Day, where Bill Murray kind of lives the same day over and 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 over, right? That's some of our lives. Some of us are stuck in the same season repeatedly, going through the same season over and over and over, and we keep doing the same thing, never growing, never changing, never learning. And as a result, we keep getting the same results, Arriving at the same destination, destined to repeat the same cycle over and over again. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, we had a powerful message from Pastor Nathan Keating uh, where he talked about how our values influence our choices, which determine our results. Many of you remember that? If you don't remember it, just imagine somebody up here with big long arms as a V, somebody trying to do this, and then my boy over here doing this, right? Uh, he talked about how many people get in this never-ending cycle of keep making different choices but expecting to get different results, or, or the, but, but instead they keep getting the same results because the results are determined by our choices, but our choices are influenced by our values. And until we do the homework and learn the lessons of why our results are, are getting fouled up and allow our values to come into alignment with God's values and God's word and God's plan, we are destined to stay in this never-ending loop of I'm, I'm going to change my choice. I'm going to make a different choice, but I'm going to get the same result because I'm not doing it from a position of a corrected value. Everybody with me? If we will learn, though, if we will grow, if we will consider the values in our life and how are they aligning to God's desires for me and work to realign our values with God's system and God's word and God's plan, then our choices will be God-led and, and they'll be God-directed and our results will be God's plan and they will be faith-filled and they will be all sorts of greatness because we've corrected our value system to align with God. But it all starts with a realignment of our values. If we want to break out of our Groundhog Day existence, we need to learn the lesson of the season that we're in so we can move forward to reap the blessings of the new season that God has planned for us. Which brings me to my first point today. Don't quit. You will reap a harvest at just the right time. Paul introduces a really cool concept in Galatians chapter 6. In the King James Version, it calls it due season. And that's not talking about April 15th when your taxes are due. It's not talking about the first of every month when your mortgage is due. The New Living Translation better correctly defines it, and he calls it just the right time. That you will reap 
what you've sown at just the right time. And this is what Paul says. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. If he has been planting to his flesh, he is going to harvest rotting, stinking flesh. But if he has been sowing to his spirit, he is going to, of the spirit, reap abundant, everlasting life. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we just don't quit. Now, I'm going to help somebody right now. A lot of times, we are stuck reaping from years of sowing the wrong kind of seed. What do I mean by that? Well, in spite of the keto fans in the house, if you eat fat, greasy food, you become a fat, greasy dude. You do a lot of mean, nasty things to people. Then you pray for 15 minutes on a Sunday morning and you assume that there will be no consequences for your actions. No, 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 no. Paul says that's wrong. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. See, here's an example from nature. You never reap the harvest in the same season that you plant the seed. See, you plant in spring, and you reap in late summer or early fall. You plant a big old pile of beans, don't expect to eat beans on April 15th. You're going to have to wait until June, July, August before you're going to get your first mess of beans. And I can say that because I grew up in the country, and my grandfather had me in the garden picking messes of beans. And anybody who's a country boy, you know when I say mess of beans, it's not no just little bowl full. It's a lot. That's right, it's a bushel basket, and bless God, you're going after you pick them, you're going to shell them, and then you're going to cook them, and then you're going to eat them. Sometimes we get frustrated with God, and we're ready to quit because we're trying to reap the harvest for seed we just put in the ground. Doesn't work that way. And many times while we are reaping the just rewards of our past, we are paying the price for our mistakes from a previous planting season, and we should. Don't be misled. God is not mocked. Don't be misled. God's justice system is still working. And so we are going to have to pay the price at some point. And you will reap from the seeds that you've sown. We get tired in the journey and we get burned out and frustrated with doing good, sowing good seed, But because at the time we are reaping seed from a previous season. And we quit. We give up. We fall back into the mistakes of our past because we haven't yet made it to the harvest season for the good that we've been planning up until this point. Does that make sense? Right? You, you planted three, month, three years ago, and you're reaping the results of that. So you spent the last hour getting straight. You don't get to get that stuff yet. That's working under the ground. That's got to germinate for a while. That's got to grow. So you might still be reaping from a previous season. You don't believe me? Check this out. My wife tells me all the time that, that she, she appreciates the fact that I try to be practical. So I'm going to give you about as practical of an example as I can give you this morning. Anyone here ever struggled to lose weight? I got both hands up for all the liars in the house that don't want to tell the truth. Okay? I'm doing it for you. If you don't want to raise your hand, it's okay. The person sitting next to you, they know. Okay. I'm the only one, but for me, 
How many of you who have been honest enough to acknowledge that you struggle to lose weight will also admit that it takes a long time of sowing good seed to reap the harvest of healthy living? See, you can't just start eating healthy and immediately go run a marathon. It's going to take a lot of work to get to that level. you got to plant seeds of healthy eating and proper exercise and endurance training, right? I mean, it takes a while. So what happens for most of us is that many times we eat healthy for a week. And we go out and exercise and we get out of breath walking down the steps to our house. And we think, well, forget this. This eating healthy thing's not working. Forget it. I quit. Now, I know that was an exaggeration because most of y'all didn't make it the whole week of eating before you was ready to quit. <laughs> so, again, it might be a slight exaggeration, but you get the point. Planting good seeds takes time to reap the harvest. Which brings me to point number two. Don't quit when you reap the harvest of an earlier season. Sometimes we come to God carrying some heavy baggage. We have sowed some stuff and we confess it to God and he delivers us from the sin. He rescues us from the guilt and the remorse and he even lightens our load. But unfortunately, some of our sinful actions from the past have consequences in the present. Some of our mistakes come with a price tag. And while God forgives the sin, you have to reap the product, the harvest, if you will, of the actions of yesterday. And so now you're doing good. You're living right. You're sowing good seeds. But you still have the cost of past mistakes greeting you every day. And you hear about this God who Davina read from Isaiah this morning who can make a highway in the desert, a river in the wilderness, and he can. And that he was going to do a new thing, and he is. And you will reap the rewards of doing good in due season if you don't quit. Just because it's tough right now, you got to keep going. You can't quit just because it's getting tough. Some of you, you know what it is to go through a tough season. You've dealt with financial struggles and health problems and losses and family drama. And you've gone through tough seasons. Some of you, while you were going through the tough season, if you'll be honest with us today, you made bad choices. Wrong decisions. You made mistakes. You went rogue. You didn't consult God or your wife. You called an audible. You went out on your own and you ran a different play than the one the coach told you to run. And when you threw an interception that turned into a pick six going the other direction, the choice was a bad one and the mistake had consequences. Now you can run to the sidelines and you can apologize to the coach and the coach will say, you know what, I forgive you. I know you just made a bad decision in the moment. But at the end of the day, the score still shows the results of you going rogue. You with me? There are results that happen in our life even when we are forgiven. And even though we don't have condemnation in our life anymore, we still have the end result of bad choice making. God is merciful and he is forgiving. And the Bible says if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But God's forgiveness and even man's forgiveness doesn't automatically absolve us of the consequences of our actions. There may be no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. 
But if you've been walking after the flesh, God may no longer condemn you. But uh, you most likely may be responsible for the consequences of some bad stuff. And there's nothing that is worse than assuming that the plant's going to grow immediately and absolve me of all that. And I'm still getting the results. That's a rough thing. So there is this law in God's economy, in God's justice system, that says whatever a man plants, he will harvest at the proper time. And I, the reason I know that is because if I've had to harvest some consequences for actions taken in a moment of weakness or in a moment of stupidity or in a moment of perceived knowledge, which was really arrogance and pride, and because I planted in weakness or stupidity or arrogance or pride, I was forced to harvest fruit that grew because of what I had planted. And it's in those moments when I hear the Lord say, I see the good seeds you're now sowing. And I know that you're reaping now is not what you're planting now. But in the proper time, you're going to reap the harvest that you are rightly due if you just keep going. Don't quit. Which brings me to my third point. Don't quit when it's tough. Learn the lesson of the season that you're in. Put it back up there. Y'all took it down way too fast. When it's tough, learn the lesson of the season that you're in. There's an amazing story from the Bible. It's found in Exodus chapter 16. In the interest of time, I want to encourage you to read Exodus 16 when you get home today or another time this week. But by way of explanation, the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt with amazing displays of the power of God and stuff that really would make Hollywood directors envious because they don't have the capability, even with computer-generated imaging, to do what God did in a moment when Moses stretched out his staff and water rolled back and people walked through on dry land. I'm talking, this is riverbeds that have been baked over with water for years and 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 and God blows his breath across the water. It rolls back and it's dry. 45 days later, after these people have seen this amazing display of God's power, they are griping and complaining because they weren't getting to eat the kind of food in the wilderness that they wanted to eat. Verse 3 of Exodus 16, this is what it says. It says, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. You literally forgot the blessings of God and were griping and complaining because you wanted a ham sandwich. Wanted some bread. I wanted a pot of meat. Man, I I don't know. Y'all like potted meat? That's really gross stuff. I don't think that's the pot of meat it's talking about. But after seeing God's miraculous display that brought them out of the hand of Egypt, what the Bible says, with a mighty hand, that changed, they it really changed their season of captivity. They now, within 45 days, are complaining and griping, wishing they had just died in Egypt where they had meat and bread. So God, once again, provides provision. He rains bread from heaven every morning for the people. And he gives them instructions that they were to take only enough for themselves and every member of their family each day, <clears throat> except on the sixth day, which they were to take two days' worth, because they weren't going to gather on the seventh day, which would have been the Sabbath. And if they disobeyed God and they gathered more than enough, worms would show up and eat it, and it would begin to stink. I don't know what rotten bread smells like, but I don't think it would be very tasty, right? If you didn't gather, you went hungry, but if you gathered too much, it would would 
it would basically be rotten. And so every day, God provided them with just enough for the day. So several years ago, in my own life, we were reaping the results of a season of loss, a time when I had made some bad business decisions. We lost a business, a home, job, loss of income. Many of you have heard my story. Really, it's a major setback of not only our status, but our self-esteem. And uh, if I'm being honest, I mean, we were in a pretty low place. And we were doing everything we could to dig out from this pit that was our dilemma. And I was praying one day, and while I was praying, I was talking to God about how it seemed like we could never get ahead. And I was like, Lord, we're doing the best we can, and we're trying to be faithful, and we're trying to make amends and dig from under this mountain, and we feel like we're under right now, and we never seem to have anything left over. Sometimes it seems that there is less than enough, and you somehow make it just enough. And I was praying, Lord, help me get through this time. I'm tired of living on the edge and worrying each day whether we'll have what we need. And, and, oh, by the way, Lord, if you could take care of this, I wouldn't have to pray about it so much, and I could talk to you about some other stuff, and that would be kind of cool. But right now, this is all I can think about. I'm just saying, God. And I clearly heard God say to me, just as clear as I'm saying it to you right now, I heard God say, this is your manna season. And I was like, manna season? What do you mean? And God knows I enjoy studying, so I felt his response was, again, pertinent for me. He said, go look it up. And so I did. And I started studying Exodus chapter 16, and I started studying the ty- this time in the life of Israel, and literally how 45 days from the crossing of the Red Sea, they are in such a place that they're griping and complaining rather than living in the blessings of the miraculous that they've experienced. And, but God still provides, and he provides just enough for each day. Nothing more, nothing less, just enough. Now, God was taking them to this season of, from this season of captivity in Egypt to a season of conquest and, and victory in the promised land. But in between those two seasons of miraculous deliverance was a season for the miracle of just enough. Now, depending on who you read, somewhere between 18 months and three years from the deliverance in Egypt, they come to this city called Kadesh Barnea. It's on the edge of the land of Canaan, their promised land. And Moses sends out 12 spies to scope out the land. And 10 of those spies come back, and uh, they're very afraid. They are scared to death of the future. They are like, no, no, no. There's giants over there, and and there's just bad news. We ain't capable, Moses. We've been walking around for three years in the desert, and we ain't capable of fighting this battle. It's just they've forgotten the delivering power of God in Egypt, obviously, because now they're scared to death of some giants over here in this land that God had promised them. But there's two guys that come back and say, wait a minute, guys. They got grapes the size of basketballs. I just figure Caleb had already in his mind set up a hoop in the driveway and figured his sons would be able to play with purple balls instead of orange, and they were going to be shooting baskets out of grapes, right? I mean, they got fields we don't, want, we don't have to plant. There are cities there we don't have to build. I mean, come on, we can fight and we can win this thing. Yeah, there's some giants, there's some big dudes, but put us together with God, we can take this. But the first sign of democracy, 10 voted out, voted two, and they stayed in the wilderness. And that 10 vote to two, you know what it cost them? It cost them 40 years of wandering around in circles. Oh, but God provided. He gave them manna every day. Yeah, but that was not God's intention. God was intended them to be walking into a land filled with milk and honey with fields that were already planted that they could reap their own harvest. But no, they had to reap this bread every morning just enough. And so today, maybe that's where you are. 
Maybe you're in your manna season. Somebody asked me the other day if we were one of those prosperity gospel churches. You know, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, a Mercedes in every garage, a chicken in every pot, and a millionaire on every pew. And if that's you today, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. We celebrate you. Bring the offering basket back around. Let's get that out. All right. But for most of us, it's just enough. And the truth is, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And he could easily pour out blessings on me financially that would allow me to bask in his amazing favor and allow me to swim in a pool of coins like Scrooge McDuck. But until he does, there's going to be times when I got to live through the manna season. If we don't learn, though, the story and the lesson of the manna season, We will never reap the land of promise in our life because we'll be doomed to repeat the circle of the wilderness as we roam around living off just enough until we begin to trust him for more than enough. Right now, every day, I'm trusting in God and I'm striving to learn the lessons that he's teaching me in this season because soon the winds of change will begin to blow. A new season will be on the horizon. My land of promise will open up before me and I don't want to hesitate. I don't want to stand and be fearful. I don't want to doubt. I don't want to question whether God is leading me and I don't want to quit when the going gets tough because just around the next corner is my season of promise. Instead, I want to walk with faith and assurance that the same God who provided during the lean times is also able to provide during the season of promise that he's giving to me. How about you? Anybody else with me today? Anybody else ready for whatever God has for me? I want to explore it. I want to be a part of it. Are there some things that God has promised that you put on the shelf because this season seems to be dragging on and you're just getting by? Have you forgotten about the promised land and buried your promises thinking they will never come to pass? I'm here to tell you today that you may be in your manna season, but you don't have to quit. Know that your provision comes from God. And while this season may be tougher than you planned and harder than you thought, don't start complaining now. Don't start to grumble now. Don't start to have doubts now. Instead, recognize it was never meant to last for your existence. It was only meant to last for a season. And when the season comes to an end, be prepared to step on into the promised land and see what God has prepared. Because he has a new harvest prepared, flowing with milk and honey, flowing with provision that exceeds just enough. And the question is, when God brings you to your Kadesh Barnea, when he brings you to the doorway of promise, will you become fearful and doubt God's promises? Or will you quit because of the adversity that seems to never end? Or will you go forward into the new season that is in him? So let me give you the rest of the story. Y'all ever, anybody listen to Paul Harvey? I know I'm really dating myself because some of you are like, Paul who? Is he like a basketball player or a football player? Or No, he's a really old guy. Might even be dead, but he tells stories on the radio, and usually he tells part of the story, and then he says, now for the rest of the story. So let me give you the rest of the story. Forty years have gone by. Moses is dead, as are all those who were over the age of 20 when the first Democratic vote took place and 10 overruled two, and they didn't go to the promised land. Joshua assembles the people, and there is a body of water that is separating the people from the promise. The last time this nation had faced such a thing, God did the miraculous, but none of the people there except for two, Joshua and Caleb, are even old enough to remember 
that Moses stretched out his staff and the water parted and they walked through on dry land. Moses wasn't there and Joshua is now in charge and he has learned the lesson. God would provide an answer. It might only be just enough, but he knew that if he put his trust in God, he would lead them into the promised land. And so Joshua sends the priest with the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, into the water ahead of the entire nation. And the Bible says when their feet touched the water, the waters rolled back and the entire nation walked through on dry ground. I mean, I'm just, I want you to see the picture for a moment. They're headed down to the riverbed. They're walking down carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're just trusting God. This river is it's wet. This isn't like a little dry water creek bed. No, no, no. This is water. The Bible says when their feet touched the water, they had to be willing to step in. They had to be willing. If they put their foot out and went, it sunk all the way to the ground, they had to be willing to go and trust that God would meet their, their, their faith. And so they got to the edge and they stepped in and put their feet and the feet touched the water. And the Bible says when their feet touched the water, and I don't believe it was when the 15th priest got in the water. I believe the very first priest, when his foot touched the water, the waters began to bubble and roll. And all of a sudden they were walking through on dry ground. Which brings me to my final point. If the musicians would come, don't quit. You will enter your season of promise at just the right time. It won't be a moment before, and it will never be a moment late. It will be at just the right time. Over 40 years, they have been eating manna every day. It's been provided by God every day. Even bread provided by God would get old after a while. You keto people would be in trouble. Literally bread every day from God. I'd be ready to quit because I don't even like bread that much. My wife, she'd be in heaven. She could eat bread three meals a day, but not me. But notice what happens when they get to their new land, their new season where they reap their just reward, their due season because they didn't quit. Look at Joshua 5, 11 and 12. It says, the very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain. Not coming from God, Harvested from the land. Verse 12, no manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land. And it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate the crops of Canaan. Watch this. They go into Canaan. They put their feet on the water. The waters part. They walk through on dry land. Bible says the next day (coughs) they ate bread that was harvested from the crops of the land. How'd it get there? They walked around in the wilderness for 40 years and every day they was planting seeds in the kingdom of God. Now, it didn't grow in the wilderness. It didn't even grow while they were in the wilderness. But the moment they stepped into the land of promise, the Bible says they found fields that they didn't plant. They found cities that they didn't build. And they walked into the land of promise and there was produce ready for them to begin to eat and to enjoy. God had provided them just enough, 
just long enough to get them to this new season of promise. So don't you worry that God is going to drop you by the side of the road. I know the situation may seem dire and I know the situation may seem tough, but God doesn't leave you by the side of the road just when things get tough. God will be there. He will take care of you and he will respond when you're need. And when you get to your season of promise, it's already prepared and waiting for you. You walk in and the crops are there for your reward. Your season may seem long, it may seem winding, it may seem tiring, but at just the right time, you are going to reap the season, the harvest of promise, if you don't fate, if you don't quit, if you keep going even when it's tough, if you choose not to quit. If you just keep going in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the circumstances, your time to reap the rewards of what you've been planning is coming. Your season of miraculous provision is coming. And I'm asking you today, move past your doubt, just believe, keep planting good seeds. The reward of good harvest is coming if you refuse to quit. This week, they're getting ready to sing Waymaker again. And I am confident that we serve a God who is able to make a way. Even before I knew that I was gonna be preaching today, earlier this week, I felt the Lord kind of give me this thought and I posted on Facebook some folks really responded well to it and felt like it was something that was a blessing to them and it was a quote from Gandhi that I had received from a friend years ago and I was going through a particular time in my life and he felt like I needed this and so he'd written me a card and he wrote this and in it it said we are in this for a lifetime we don't have to do it all in one month or one year we will fall but we can get up again and go on this reminds me of Jesus own falling under the weight of the cross and getting up again it is that Jesus who breaks through our locked doors of fear extends his forgiveness and peace and invites us to go on not alone but with him by our side see I think sometimes what we do is we try to do it by ourselves. We're planting seeds, we're trying to do good, and we're trying to do it the best way we know how. But we're invited to do it not alone, but with the way maker beside of us. With the one who is the miracle worker, the one who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Oh, you can do it by yourself if you want to, but as for me, I serve a God who wants to be in the process with me. And so as I'm planting good seeds, I'm letting him point out where they need to drop. And as I'm planting good seeds, I know, guess what? The seed's going in the ground and I don't understand how it grows, but guess what? The one who I know knows, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. He is doing what I can't accomplish on my own so that I can get through. And so guess what? That gives me faith not to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving ahead. Why? Because he won't let me down. He won't leave me. He won't drop me. He's ever with me. And so today, I want to ask somebody, if you'd all stand with me all over this house. I know in a room this size, this number of people, there's some people today that they're on the mat. They've taken a blow to the jaw and they are down. They've been through stuff. And there's some people that say, oh, well, if they're going through something, they just don't have enough faith. No, 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 faithful people going through stuff. I want you to know that you need to get up. Don't stay down. Interrupt the referee's count. 
I know he's at nine and he's about to holler 10, but you need to get up. Nothing frustrates our opponent as much as not being able to keep us down. The Bible says even a righteous man will fall, but he's going to get back up again. And though he falls seven times, guess what? Number eight, he's back on his feet. And the reason he does it is because he refuses to quit. He refuses to stay down. You can do this. I, I don't know how else to tell you this. You can make it. You can do it. You know how you do it? You just don't quit. You just keep going. You just keep moving ahead. You just refuse to let whatever situation you're in be the defining moment of your life. You don't have to stay down. You can get back up again. And so as they began to sing about this amazing way maker who has made a way for each and every one of you, even to be here today, that's why you're here is because he made a way. I want to invite you to come to this altar today and declare your intentions. God, I'm not quitting. I'm not walking out. I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold it in the palm of your hand and I'm trusting in you. I had a friend come up to me right before church today. He said, Rodney, I tried to apply for a job 40 years ago at a specific location. And they told me I wasn't qualified and I didn't get it. But 40 years later, they called me and said, hey, would you mind coming and running the whole facility? Now, I don't know if he's going to do it or not, but this is what I know. That same man, 40 years, he's been planting good seeds. He's been planting seeds. And guess what? It may not have reaped, he didn't reap it when he planted it. But guess what? 40 years later, that thing has produced some amazing opportunities that would never have come if he'd got mad when they said no 40 years ago and, and, and quit. Uh-uh, he just kept planting seed, planting seed, planting seed, planting seed. And that's what I'm asking you today. Don't quit. Keep doing what you know to do. Don't get weary in doing good. Why? Because if you'll keep going, God will let you reap in due season. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He's my way maker, folks. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And as they began to sing today, I want you to join me up here and let's declare together. I'm not gonna quit, I'm gonna keep going forward. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Light in the dark. 
reading of the Bible, you've hit that story of Job pretty early. And uh, if you read the story of Job, you can walk away, especially if you only read the first half, you can probably walk away pretty depressed, right? I know a lot of us think we've had bad days. I don't think anybody's had a day like Job, right? What an awful day, right? Everything possible that could go wrong did. And yet in the midst of that, Job says, you know what? Naked came I into the world naked I'm going to go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know where he found the reserve to do that. I don't know where he found the resolve to do that. Because if it's me, I'm ready to quit. You know what I'm saying? Like, for three years I've been struggling with my foot. And I've had three different surgeries and they're telling me now I'm going to have to have a fourth surgery. And I walked out of the doctor's office, I cried almost all the way home because I just I want to quit. I don't want to go through this anymore. But Job said, you know what? In spite of all my cattle being gone, in spite of all my camels are gone, in spite of all my crops being destroyed, in spite of my children dying, and the only thing that I'm left with is some servant that managed to escape and my wife who tells me I should curse God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so today, I know there are people in this room that are hurting. I know there are people in this room that are going through tough things. I just want to tell you today, I know you've been planting the right stuff and it feels like you're reaping the wrong harvest. You're planting the right seeds, you're doing the right things, but what you're reaping is not what you're planting. I want you to know today, if you feel that way, the greatest resolve you can make in your mind and in your heart is I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. It's not working the way I think it should right now. And it's not going my way. And man, I put my faith in you, Lord, and it's just not happening. But you know what, God? Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to pour out my heart toward you. And I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. And I refuse to quit. Because that's what the devil wants us to do, folks. He wants to punch us and we lay on the mat and say, I can't take it no more. Because then he wins. But I read, I know this is really going to make me a dated preacher, but I read the back of the book. We win. Sorry if that bothers some of you. If you're, not, if you're afraid of winning, if you're one of these millennials that are afraid of victory or you don't want to win a trophy because everybody didn't get participate, I'm sorry. I read the back of the book and we win. And because we win, I'm not quitting now. You can deck me, you can knock me down, you can keep coming at me all you want to. I know how this story ends and I'm gonna win and so I'm not gonna stay down. Let's get back up this week. Let's refuse to stay down. That's what he wants and I refuse to acknowledge what he wants today. I'm gonna move ahead and we're gonna win. Can you say amen? 
God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. It's been an honor to worship with you. One more time before we leave, let's clap our hands and thank him. Father, we honor you and we thank you. Blessed be your name, O oh God. We trust in you today, O oh Lord. Some may trust in choices. Some may trust in chariots. But I'm trusting in the name of my God, and I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we trust in you today. Go with him. Be faithful. We'll see you on Wednesday night for First Wednesday. And God bless you. We'll have a great week.